Right, we have 18 minutes until the kids come back in. Um, no, we have 18 minutes, and I just want to say at the end, I do want us to respond, okay? I want us to respond with a sense of recommissioning. Just as I was um, in both uh, the well in North Swindon and then in Penn Hill, as those guys are commissioned into what they're doing, I just feel as we um, regather in this way at this moment that we too, I want to invite us to recommission, but not into gateway but into God at the end this morning just to say God we're here for you again so can I ask you this morning just as we turn to God's word now that you open to him and just say God speak to me speak to me through your word this morning I'm not going to be talking about gateway this morning because I want to talk about Jesus I want to talk about God I want us to focus on him Suffice to say that I recognise that things are very different, that we are now two sites back as one. Um, just recognise that. And there's lots to talk and process and share and go on a journey together with you guys. And so hopefully you will have received the email that um, at the end of the month we're having a family night together. So we will talk um, shop on that evening. We will talk family business on that evening. But this week and next week, and actually for the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on God and what he's done for us because we're, we're, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians and so we're going to spend some time just looking at God and his work and his faithfulness and what it means to be in Christ. Ephesians is a fantastic book. It's a book of six chapters and the first half are theology all about God and what he has done. And then the second half is a book, sorry, the second half of the book is all about what do we do in response to that? How therefore as God's people are we to live today in this upside down, broken, fragmented world that we live in? What, what does it look like for the people of God to stand faithful in that current climate? And so this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote and right at the start it talks about um, we'll get to, we'll see this in a moment, but to God's holy people in Ephesus, but then you'll see a footnote after the word Ephesus, because actually um, the earliest manuscripts don't have in Ephesus in them. They actually just say to God's holy people. And this is an unusual letter for Paul because it doesn't address any one person or any group of people directly, which Paul's letters normally do. And also, it doesn't directly address any issues going on in the church, which again, Paul's letters normally do. And so it seems like Paul might have been writing to a larger group of churches, maybe in Asia Minor. And in fact, that what happened is that there are some manuscripts that just say, to God's holy people, the church. But then, the ones that survived, and there's probably more of them, in Ephesus, because Ephesus was a massive city. And so there are probably lots of copies of manuscripts that just survived that said, in Ephesus. So we're going to read this, but Paul could be writing to the church in Swindon today. I mean, he is writing, it's not he could be, but to the holy saints, to God's holy saints. And so this book, I trust God's going to bless us, I trust God's going to meet us, and I think what a great thing to do that as we come out of a pandemic, as we step out of this last incredible, unique, challenging, frustrating, sad situation of the last 18 months that we found ourselves in as a nation and globally, and I do recognize that it's not over. Um, not for us and not for much of the world, but 
as we begin to regather and rebuild, what a great thing to do to say we're going to look at our King Jesus first of all. We're not looking at ourselves. We're not looking even at Gateway Church. We are looking at God. And so I've got a, a strap line, which is a bit long for a strap line, of what, this, um, what we're going to be seeing in the book of Ephesus as we go through. And it's ultimately this, that Ephesians is telling us a story that binds each one of us together into something much greater than any one of us. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, as we go through over the coming weeks and months, we'll see that it, it's telling us a story that is, it, we're being bound into something and into someone that is much greater than any one of us. And boy, do we need this in our generation. We need this in our generation. We need the challenge of it. We need the provocation of the call of this book to say your life isn't about you. I mean, I'm speaking to myself if I say you, by the way. I'm Colin, my life is not about me. I am not the center of the universe. You are not the, just say to the person next to you, you are not the center of the universe. And now punch them in the face so that they believe it. No, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> we are not the center of the universe. We're going to see who is the center of the universe even this morning. But this book, I believe, is going to serve us even this morning that as we see King Jesus afresh, that our heart, our hope, our longing, even in the midst of challenge and struggle and frustration and slowness and separation and fragmentation of society and church family and families and work colleagues, in the midst of that, God is at work and he is on the throne and he is ruling and reigning with all power. And so the question this morning isn't, God, what's your purpose for my life right now? Because now the pandemic's over. Really, what do you want me doing? That's not the question for this morning. So can I encourage you to turn to Ephesians if you haven't already done so? Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read the first 14 verses, but we're not going through all of it, so don't panic. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I'm not going to speak on this other than to say, Paul would not have said that not long before this. He would have said, Paul, out on a mission to persecute and tear down the, this newfangled church that's deceiving people. But here, no, he knows who he is. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Apostle simply means one who is sent to God's holy people, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise 
of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Amen. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring to unity all things in heaven and on earth and, sorry, all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked In him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Amen. Who again is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Heavenly Father, just as we spend a few moments in these incredible claims, these incredible promises, this incredible hope, of this first, um, first launch of Ephesians we, that Paul wrote, we, we, want to, we just want to say thank you already. We want to say thank you. We want to say thank you, Lord, that we are your possession. And we pray right now as your people, as your tribe, as, your, as those who you've called out and sent and, and called us home and adopted us as sons, we want to pray this morning, may our hearts burn because of what you speak over us today through your word of who we are and whose we are and who we're in and the purpose of that. And so we invite you, come Holy Spirit right now. Come Holy Spirit. We thank you you're here. We thank you you have plans and purposes. And we invite you, would you give us ears to hear this morning and eyes to see. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So the first three chapters of Ephesians, they don't tell us to do anything. We love to do something. We love to make a plan. We love to put it into action. We love to get busy. We love to, let's be honest, we love to make ourselves feel like we're doing something worthwhile so that we feel better about ourselves. And yet Ephesians kicks off by, it doesn't say do anything. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. It's not about what you've done and it's not about what I've done. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what you will do. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. And in fact, even more than that, it's about us realizing that what we need to do is to rest in what Jesus has done for us. It's the start of the Christian life. The start of the Christian life is we rest in what Jesus has done. We rest in his work. 
So the hero of chapters 1 to 3 is all about Jesus. It's all about his life when God's son became human and lived a perfect life for us. Died the death that we deserved in judgment for all the ways that we, you and I, have sinned against a holy God. It's all about Jesus who was buried in a tomb to identify with us in our spiritual death. But it's also all about Jesus who was raised to life in order to show the power of God over life and death itself. Amen. Come on. (laughs) It's all about Jesus who rose from the grave and ascended to heaven so that we too can be seated with him in heavenly places, even as we live our lives out here, as we've just read, we're also seated with him in heavenly places. And so it's not about what you and I can do for God. It is totally about what Jesus has done for you. I don't know about you, but I kind of have a bit of a itch to kind of go, okay, now we're sort of back to normal-ish. Let's get going. Let's do something. Boy, is our town hurting. Boy, is it suffering. We, we're suffering, but thank God we have his grace and love and, and shepherding in our life. But there's a, there's a town out there. There's a world out there. There's a nation out there. There's your neighbors and your street and your colleagues who don't have the hope of Christ. And part of me wants to go, come on, let's do something. But this morning, as we just read this scripture... I feel like God just wants to say to us, whoa, hold on a moment. Hold on. Because if you don't understand that it's all about what Jesus has done and resting in him, then you're just going to go off and run out of steam and do it in your own strength. And you're going to forget that it's all about him and you're going to get busy and you're going to go, look, God, what I've achieved. And he's going to say, but do you love me? Am I your first love? Are you bound together into a bigger purpose than yourself? And so we're invited to sit down and enjoy what God has done for us. There's a, there's a point that Paul's referring to that we kind of need to see in this by starting with three chapters about Jesus. And he's saying, look, theology of the Christian life. It's what God's done for you in Christ. You are in Christ. And it kind of harks back to the Genesis account that God created everything. And at the end of the sixth day, he created Adam and Eve, man and woman, made in his image. And he blessed them. And their first day, day seven, their first proper day of life, they didn't do anything because God had done everything. And God rested, and so Adam and Eve rested. So too, you and I. That is our starting point, is resting in what God has done for us. Adam didn't go getting busy. He just enjoyed the garden. He enjoyed the fruit that God had provided on the trees and the, and the, and the vegetables in the ground and the watching nature. And hearing the sounds and the tranquility and the peace and the harmony, he just enjoyed God and his presence and his 
creation. You see, Ephesians chapter 1 is full of the promise of mercy. It's full of what it means to know God as our Father. It's full of what it means to have friendship with God and enjoying being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just choosing what to jump or what to ignore. (laughs) And so Paul starts by saying grace and peace to you. Grace. That God is dealing with us so much infinitely better than we deserve. He's dealing with us so much infinitely better than we deserve. So much so that it involves raising us from spiritual death. As we see, we're dead in our trespasses. And peace, the peace of God, the hostility, the hostility of Jew and Gentile, and just between humanity and the hostility of us and creation. I don't know if you've been watching the the volcano going on in Iceland for the last 180-ish days now. Has anybody actually tracked that? You have missed the best show on earth right now um, through COVID. Well, that's part. Anyway, go and look it up. It's just restarted yesterday. This is, it was dead for nine days, but it's come back to life. Praise God. He raises even volcanoes from the death. And anyway, um, why was I saying that? But, and, but that's kind of like a horizontal and a creation kind of um, bringing back together hostility, but also the hostility between us and God. God has dealt with that in Christ Jesus. This is good news. He's made peace for us. And so the reason that Paul always starts his letters like this is because he wants you to, he wants you to know, he's saying, as I, as, I, as I send you these words, as these words are read out to you, as they're preached and taught from, as you read them, grace and peace are flowing to you like a river. The incredible grace of God, undeserved favor of God is flowing to you today. And and. An end to hostility and peace coming in its place is flowing to you today. And that's why Paul finishes his letters by saying, grace be with you. Now now you've read this. Now you've come to this point and engaged with this. He's saying, grace has come to you. And so grace with you. That's how he finishes this letter because it's now with you and it goes with you. You are people who have received grace and truth because you are saints. To God's holy people or to God's saints, you are called out, set apart for God's purposes. You are made holy through Jesus for God's purposes in your generation. So grace and peace belong to you if you are in Christ this morning. And I'm going to finish with two very quick points. The first is this in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. This is the reason we don't have to make our life about us, because you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's what all of these next verses that we just read, that's what they're going on to describe. But they're all contained in that one phrase, Every spiritual blessing, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. 
because you're in Christ. And it's Christ, in fact, that is your every blessing. It's not just nice things in your life. It's that Christ is your blessing. Christ is what you get. Christ is your every spiritual blessing. And he says, everything that's mine, I give to you also, my people. He withholds nothing that is his from you. We're adopted into his family as sons and daughters. And so every spiritual blessing flows to you today. Blessing isn't just a word. Blessing is an idea that flows through the whole Bible. God made promises to Abraham and he blessed them and hands were laid on and then it flowed onto his sons and his children and blessing flows as a promise. As a, it's, a, it's a something that happens type of thing. It's not just nice words. Something actually happens with blessing and Paul is saying you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with Christ. He is in you, Christian, and you are in him. Amen. And this is why, this is what is important. This is why that matters. Listen to this in verse 9. Just start back a bit. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring to unity all the things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God has made known to us the mystery of his will. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. And the mystery of his will is this, that he is gathering together every fragmented part of his creation, whether that's physical creation, whether that's broken relationships, whether that's individuals and communities who are fractured, whether that's brothers and sisters who have fallen out, whether that's families that are broken or lost loved ones, whether that's things that have just fragmented and gone away from each other, Jesus' mission is to gather it all together. That's his purpose. That's what he's doing. There's a bigger story that we've been brought into that goes way beyond ourselves. We've been caught up into this because we are in Christ. He's made this mystery known which pleases God and he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring together in unity all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Jesus is bringing everything together. He is gathering all things to himself, all people to himself made in his image who are in him. And I just want to remind you this morning that, that he is our Lord and Savior, and He blesses us, and He comforts us, and He strengthens us, and He shepherds us through the tough seasons of life, and He gathers us together for His purposes in our lives. Has God got purposes for each one of us? Yes, He has. Has He got purposes for us as a community? Yes, they are. Where do they start? Know that you are in Christ and learn to rest in that. And I wonder if we're sometimes really quite not so good at resting in Christ. 
I wonder that so often we want to be busy for him. Or worse, busy for ourselves. So I just want to invite you this morning that just as we finish, and there is a sense of reset, and there is a sense of just gathering a new like this. But rather than going, right, what are we doing next? Rather than panicking about that, rather than trying to get ourselves sorted, let's stop and receive God's grace and mercy afresh. Let's respond to that. Let's understand that in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. We're not now fighting for something else. We have everything because we have Christ who is our spiritual blessing. And Christ is the one who is uniting all things. And so I want to invite you right now. You don't have to. Don't do it just because I'm saying it. But if in your heart you say, God, I want to stand afresh today as a son, as a daughter, adopted into your family, in Christ, secure, loved, chosen, called. I just want to, I just want to gaze on you again in this season of life before anything. I want to learn to do that again. I want to commit myself to you afresh. I want to say, I, I'm going to die to myself in this season. I'm going to learn to look upon you. I'm going to learn to embrace you. I, Jesus, here I am. Unite me with you and with what you're doing in this moment. I put myself into your, into your hand. I choose to run to you. I choose to worship you in this season of life afresh. I just want to invite you to, to respond. And I want to pray um, Paul's prayer that he goes on to pray over you this morning. So if that's you, can I invite you to stand or just, you don't have to stand, you can put your hands out to, to receive Paul's prayer, but can I invite us to be a community that are so responsive to God in this season? Let's be courageous. Let's be bold. Let's dare to see what God wants to do with the, with the people who he gathers together into something bigger in this season. Just after those verses we read, Paul, straight off the bat, he prays for the Ephesians. And he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, Saint, Holy One, called out, set apart, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Not so that you can be busy. Not so that I can be busy, but that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ 
from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Father, we, we bless your name this morning. We thank you that you are always turned towards us. Your eye is always upon us. Your hand is always with us. Your spirit you have given and you will not take it from us because you have said, until I return, Jesus. Until I return. And we pray for us as a community this morning. We pray for us as a church family. We pray for us as brothers and sisters. We pray for us as sons and daughters in Christ, that grace and peace may flow to us this morning through your word. As we look to you and remind ourselves of Jesus, that it's all what you have done and not what we have done. And, we say, and I say the words of Paul, grace with you now. Church, grace with you. Grace with you. May your grace tank be full this morning. The grace of God upon you this morning. And I bless you in the name of Jesus, Gateway. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I pray that there will be many of us who say, I I am falling in love with Jesus again in this moment. It's not really about the circumstances, it's about that decision to say, to see and recognize that I am in Christ and he is in me and he has brought me and caught me up into something greater than myself. And so Gateway is a time of eyes off self and eyes onto God. And I promise you that as we do that, he will do incredible things among us because we have our eyes in the right place. Our focus on God and not on ourselves. It isn't about what we can do for him, really. It's about just reveling in what he's done for us. And so you go today and I go today as those who have reminded ourselves that you and I are in Christ. And we go as witnesses to that. It's really quite simple. We go as those who tell the story of what God has done. And so I bless you. Come Holy Spirit now and fill us afresh for your glory, oh God, in this generation for our joy as your people and we say Lord begin a new thing in us in this season we pray in your precious name amen